Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. So whom will you serve? You're probably thinking that's an obvious, pretty obvious question, right? Well, I'm going to give you some scenarios and we'll, we'll see if it's still so obvious. On March 30th, 2022, the White House issued a proclamation recognizing Transgender Day of Visibility, the first time a U.S. president has ever done so. The new Pew Research Survey finds that 1.6% of U.S. adults are transgender or non-binary. Binary. And that is, their gender is different from the sex they were assigned at birth. So that's man's position on the matter. I wonder what do the scriptures have to say? In Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. Do you see a conflict? I'll give you another scenario. A majority of Americans disapprove of the U.S. Supreme Court's landmark ruling overturning the Roe versus Wade decision, which had guaranteed a constitutional right to an abortion for nearly 50 years. Public support for legal abortion remains largely unchanged since before the decision, with 62% saying it should be legal in all or most cases. According to abort73.com, in 2019, approximately 19% of U.S. pregnancies end in abortion. Again, that's man's position. What do the scriptures have to say? Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Do you see a conflict? Another scenario. The Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution gives Americans the right to bear arms. And about a third of U.S. adults say they personally own a gun. At the same time, President Joe Biden and other policymakers earlier this year proposed new restrictions on firearms access in an effort to address gun violence ranging from rising murder rates in some major cities to mass shootings. In 2020, the most recent year for which complete data is available, 45,222 people died from gun-related injuries in the U.S., according to the CDC. That's man's position on the matter. What do the scriptures say? In Luke chapter 22 and beginning in verse 35. And he said to them. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. When I send you without when I sent you without money bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, 
Let him sell his garment and buy one. Now that sword uh, represents a weapon, uh, if you would agree with me. And we don't necessarily run around with weapons, but we have uh, rifles, shotguns, and, and the like. And I would say that uh, if we were in their time, they would be synonymous with each other. So do you see a conflict? I have one more scenario. <clears throat> the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution says that the country shall have no official religion. And Americans have been debating where to draw the line between religion and government since the country's founding. The debate recently resurfaced with three new Supreme Court rulings over religious symbols on public property, prayer in public schools, and state subsidies for religious schools. Nearly three quarters of US adults, 73%, say religion should be kept separate from government policies, according to a survey conducted in spring 2022. That's man's position on the matter. What do the scriptures say? In Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, but there is no authority except from God and the authority that exists are appointed by God. If I could just stop right there, it kind of seems like if God is the one appointing the authorities, how can the authorities say, I want to be separate from God? Doesn't make sense to me, but continuing on. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. You will have praise from the same. So that is what the Bible tells us about authority. And then I was, I was thinking, <clears throat> what does that resistance look like? Sometimes it looks like running away and not complying. It, it, it has a, a number of different forms. Uh, but we, we're going to see here what it is that the Bible tells us when there is a conflict between man's law and God's word. How do we reconcile? And if we have to choose one, which one do we choose? Continue on in that same, that same passage. For he is God's minister to do good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute the wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. So not just afraid of the punishment, but we answer to God not necessarily just man. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. 
Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. I have a confession. I haven't always honored those who I should honor. Sometimes if I had uh, a personal difference or conflict, I found it difficult to honor those that I should. But that's not what the scripture says. I don't see any footnote or exception. So I would ask that you help me to uh, be better in that area. And maybe you fall into that category as well. It is good, though, we have Jesus, our perfect uh, example. And he gives us an, as an example of submitting on all these various levels. So we're talking about tax here. In Matthew chapter 17, we see where he submitted even in that regard. Matthew chapter 17, beginning at verse 24. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay temple tax? He said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes from their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened his mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and for you. So we see in Jesus' explanation that this was an instance where tax wasn't necessarily due. But to not offend, we see him submitting himself even to the temple tax authority. But his submission doesn't stop there. It continues on to a much deeper level. In John chapter 19, and beginning in verse 1, We find, so then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. And I want to thank you, Chris, for the words that you shared at the communion table. Um, and I'm just kind of unpacking that what our Savior went through, and to have all power and to subject yourself. I mean, you could end, end it at any time, but to subject yourself to your creation. I don't even know if we can grasp that. I think the closest maybe we can come to that is when we subject ourselves to our children, providing they're in the right Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. If you could just let that marinate for a minute. 
for him to publicly uh, admit that we're beating up on him. We're doing, we're making this mockery. Now, there's nothing, he hasn't done anything wrong. We're just doing this out of spite or, or, or for whatever reason. It wasn't because he deserved it or did anything wrong. I find no fault in him. So I don't know if you're putting that together, but to subject yourself when you're not in the wrong, when you haven't done anything wrong. Maybe I can put it in terms you can understand. If the policeman pulls you over, um, you're like, well, officer, what, what did I do? I wasn't speeding. My tags are up to date. My license. That's, that's kind of the scenario where he haven't done anything wrong, but we're going to see what happens. We see that slapping him in the face. Um, there's so much that I think the average person would take. Would, what, what do you think about that? Sometimes it only takes like one just misspoken word and, and, and things are already out of hand. But to lay hands on somebody, to slap them in the face and for them to still exercise restraint and submission, I think this is a model um, that we aspire to. Continuing on, verse 6. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. Because of man's law. Now, what did Jesus do? He was asked who he was. He can only speak the truth. He can only say who he is. And as a result of the truth, there's a conflict with man's law and the truth. So I'm wondering, does man's law bring about truth? Because we see that there's a conflict between truth and man's law here. Therefore, when Pilate heard these sayings, he was more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Now, in Romans 13, we talked about where this power and authority comes from, comes from one place. Now, it seems as though Pilate is mistaken in thinking that he is the all, be all and the power resides in him. But no, Jesus is letting him know that's that's not your that's borrowed power that you have. Now, 
<clears throat> we're at a pivot point because maybe you've made a decision because, and I want to thank you, Corbin, for the reading. Uh, that's going to really help me out and it's really helping me out. <clears throat> so for those who've made the choice on who they're going to serve, and then we have a witness here on who, who you're going to serve. Um, I have to share with you, there may be some consequences to turning from man's law when it conflicts with God's word and you, you pick God's word over man's law, there may be some consequences. So we're going to look and see what those consequences may be. <clears throat> so we see here in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, the signs and wonders. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes both of both men and women. So they that brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is in the sect of the Sadducees. And they were filled with indignation and laid hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Now, the first time I read this, I saw that it said that laid hands on them. And we don't necessarily mean blessing them. Uh, we're talking about a different kind of hands. We're talking about fist of cuff hands here. But we'll see. So my, my point was, when we choose to obey God's word, it may not be all rosy. That's, that's, what I'm, that's, that's where I'm going with this. So it's not looking like all rosy getting hands put on you. And it seems like the same thing befell Jesus, right? Laying hands on him, not, not, worse, not in, a, in a positive fashion, but slapping him in the face. That's what we're talking about. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, if you receive that word, but you knew that there's going to be policemen and all kinds of opposition. What choice would you make? It's one thing when. There's not opposition to do God's word, but when you know that you're going to face all kinds of scrutiny, will you still pick God's word over man's law? Saying, indeed, we found the prison. Kind of skipped a slide there. Acts chapter 5, verse 21. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early that morning and talked. So soon as they heard that word, they didn't wait till after lunch. I don't even know if they ate breakfast because it said early. So early in the morning, 
and talk. So they were obedient, uh, leaning forward in it, not, not, not lacking in their duty. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found none. We found no one inside. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. Someone came out and told them, saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them. Saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? I wonder how many of us face that kind of opposition. Would they tell you in your face, didn't I tell you? Didn't you understand you're not to do that? Again, we have a choice to make who you're going to serve. Is it going to be man's law or God's word? When they both line up, it's not a problem. But it's when they're in opposition to each other. That's where we have to make a decision. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Really, though, I could stop talking right now because this is what I was after right here. Because I asked the question, who are you going to serve? But in case you didn't know the answer, in, in case you were undecided, I think we have it right here. We ought to obey God rather than men when they are in conflict. When, when they're together, I mean, you're not making a choice. They, they're both going in the same direction. It's when man's law goes this way and God's word says this. That's when we have to make a choice. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, if you had witnessed the things that the apostles witnessed. What, what could you say? I mean, would you lie? Or would you tell the truth about what you've seen and what you believe? When they heard this, they were furious 
and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. Least you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Back to a point I was making earlier when we make that decision to obey God's word when it's in conflicts to man's law. That might not be a bed of roses. That might not. We see that they were beaten. We see that it involved in prison. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Can that be said of you? Does your faith stand up to persecution? I don't know about you, but for me, I would say my faith isn't where I want it to be. But I see where I want it to be. There's others <clears throat> that have paid uh, the price, a high price for their loyalty and their faith. John the Baptist being one of those. In Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, now King Herod heard of him. And we're talking about Jesus here. And his name had come, become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead. And therefore, these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. But Herod heard, he said, this is John, whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead, for Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Do you see a common theme here? Seems like prison is kind of, we kind of see that in common. 
But it's not all bad news, though. It's not all bad news. And I wonder why was the king so against John? It tells us here, because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Do you see a pattern here? He put him in prison, but he says he knew he was a just and holy man. So is that where the just and holy men go? Hmm. Then an opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased, pleased Herod, and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give to you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately, she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. I'm trying to think, how, who asked for such a thing? Would you say a good person asked for something like that or maybe an evil, evil person? And the king was exceedingly sorrow, yet because of the oath's sake and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. So do you think there are some consequences associated for when we follow God's word versus going against man? But let, let me submit this to you. Or, or let me ask you this question. Does man have a heaven that they can put you in? Does man have a hell that he can put you in? Well, our God does. Our God does. When we obey the word of God, um, some wonderful things happen. <clears throat> and that's what we're going to see here in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea 
and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? When we speak God's word, it is effective. It accomplishes what he means for it to. It doesn't return to him void is what the scripture says. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as our Lord God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. It seemed like that could apply to the day. What you think? 2020. We could have put 2020 on there. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3000 souls were added to them. How many? 3000. I was just trying to picture in my mind us baptizing 3,000 souls. Would that take all day, all weekend, couple weeks? So when we're obedient and do what the scripture says, look at what it produces. God's word doesn't come back void. Now, it may not, for some, uh, I'm kind of glad that um, <clears throat> our gospel is different. See, because there are, some, there are some gospels out there that it's just, once you uh, give your life to Christ, everything's going to be, it's going to come up roses. Everything's going to. But that's not what I read in the scripture. Over and over, I'm not reading anything about it coming up roses. So for some of you, you may be, well, I don't know if I want to sign up for all of that. I want to leave you with this. From Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 26. Therefore, do not fear them. And this is Jesus talking. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in dark, in the dark, Speak in the light and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetop. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. For some, that's kind of easy. That's easier. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, 
him I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. So I'd like to leave you with speak in the light. Preach on the housetops. Do not fear men, but fear God. And confess God before men. If you're with us this morning and you're joining us online, I'd like you to consider, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been faithful in your relationship with Christ? Do you need the prayers of the church? If you fall into either one of those categories and you're joining us online, please reach out to our elders. If you're with us in the auditorium, please come forward, have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing the song of invitation. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.